calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey everyone, this is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hey, welcome everybody to a brand new episode of The Geek Buddies! Hey! Oh, it feels so good to be back again! It feels like we hit all the right notes uh, for the first time in a while. Thank you so much uh, to uh, Mike Kalinowski and to Laura Kelly, who've been guesting on The Geek Buddies for the last few weeks. But our brother, our buddy brother, Shannon McClung, is back again here, thank uh, Shannon. How are you feeling? How are things? I know people might have seen us already talk about uh, uh, the Disney Investor Day stuff on Sunday, but how are you feeling, my man? You know, it's 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 a process. Uh, you you know this, John. Is this mm. is something you've already gone through? It's a process. You kind of got to take it a day at a time. There are there are moments where I get really sad, and there are moments where I get really happy thinking about these great memories I have with my dad. And something I didn't say on the DC Investor Day, or I didn't really stress enough. Um, was listening to the podcast, watching some of the stuff on YouTube, and seeing just these um, wonderful sentiments that uh, a lot of our audience put out there. And, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you very, very much, you guys. Um, again, I read, I read every single one of them, brought tears to my eyes, brought good tears to my eyes. So yeah. 
thank you very much for uh, keeping me and my family in your thoughts. It was very appreciated. Yeah, that's Shannon McClung. I am uh, your other host, John Roca, and uh, the man in the middle right there. I am Michael Vogel. I also read all your tweets, and sometimes they bring me to tears, too. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> Mike, we got a good crew of people. I mean, the, the sentiments that were there were beautifully expressed by a lot of our fans. And I think the three of us can feel proud of the audience that we've cultivated in Geek Buddies with how they reacted to the unfortunate news uh, in Shannon's life. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, to our audience, like you, you guys already know that the three of us our friends like you you guys know this you see our dynamic um vogel and john <laughs> so so <laughs> it's changed ever since vogel <laughs> becomes my sometimes boss <laughs> that's true that is well, at true. least he follows you on twitter but yeah go ahead, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> vogel vogel rules with a critical iron fist <laughs> um but but uh you know i i during that break, during my little hiatus, I, I had conversations with Vogel. I had conversations with John. I had conversations with Kalinowski. And, um, you know, just just the group of people that that came together to support me and my family in this time. It was really it was really nice. And like, guys, if you haven't been through something like this, I'm going to tell you right now, it sucks. Yeah. Like it is it. This is this has been one of the worst uh, sections of my life, without a doubt. But it was sort of buoyed by the wonderful people, not, not just my friends and family, but my dad's mm. friends as well. And you got to see these people kind of come out of the woodwork and really uh, take care, take, take care of me and my family during this time. Yeah. Yeah. Mikey, any words before we move on? Uh, just echoing what Shannon said and what you just said, like, you know, I, uh, when we started off doing this podcast, one of the things that we wanted to do is like be able to have geek debates, geek arguments, talk, debate about all the things that we debate about where you sort of leave at the end of the day and you're still friends and kind of putting a little bit more positivity out there in the world. And I think to Johnny's point, like all of you guys who have been loyal followers, loyal fans, uh, people who are coming to the show for the first time and really enjoying it, like I feel like I feel like we're building like a really positive geek community, which is not always the case out there. And so it's great when we're arguing about Star Wars or Zack Snyder or anything else that it's positive, but I think where it's really valuable and really important is like Shannon said, is that whether whether it's people that have been friends for 20 years uh, that have grown up together or people that you are friends with virtually through fan communities, through Twitter, uh, through Instagram, through any social media platforms, it's like it's really nice to have a group of supportive, awesome people. And you guys have all been really supportive and awesome uh, of everything up to and including everything Shannon's dealt with. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you from all of us, for sure. Uh, we're going to get into things here. For those of you who are new listeners, new viewers, thank you so much for taking a chance on us and the Geek Buddies here. For those of you who are not, thanks so much for staying on the train and coming back. The way the show works is each of us tackles a geek news item. We talk about it amongst ourselves, take a little bit of a mini break, then jump into our main topic. And how could it not be today? Our main topic is Tom Cruise and his comments that he made on the set of the Mission Impossible 6 or 7 that he's shooting back to 76. Back. 76, sure. Mission Impossible 76. Uh, some of those bags under his eyes. Uh, it's not a, it's not that far off. But you, you take a look. We're going we're gonna to have a big conversation about that and some of the controversy and the fallout. A lot of people chiming in uh, from multiple sites uh, and uh, on both sides of this thing. So it's going to be a fun, interesting conversation. For sure, and I have a feeling there'll be some disagreements coming up in the main event topic. So help me help you. <laughs> Put on your mask. Uh, all right, we're gonna get into all of it, but let's uh, let's start it off. Who's got our first uh, geek news item today? That would be me. 
Uh, all right, well, we are just a little bit over a week away from finally, 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 after 235 years, being able to see Wonder Woman 84. So very, very exciting. Obviously, we are gonna have a lot of talk to talk about when we see it, uh, we've been waiting for it. If you are in an area where you're able to safely go to a theater, you can see it in theaters. And for those of us that are not, you can see it on HBO Max. Uh, but the news today is that as people are starting to go to screenings, as uh, the reviews are slowly starting to trickle out, they are, really good uh there had been so many rumors i mean i think we reported on them we heard from people everybody was reporting that the movie was a mess it was kind of all over the place it didn't come together the way the first one did uh and honestly echoing a lot of the things that everybody heard before the first wonder woman came out there was all these rumors that that movie was a mess that it wasn't working and i think for a lot of us we went in Worried that it wasn't going to be great uh, and kind of came out. And I think to most people, uh, Wonder Woman stands as one of the top uh, as far as the DC Cinematic Universe, uh, one of the best. And so it's really, really heartening uh, to kind of go into this holiday season um, hearing that it's really good. I mean, just for a point of comparison, uh, the uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's currently standing at 88% compared to 97% for Wonder Woman part one. So a little bit less, not quite on the level of Wonder Woman, at least at the moment on Rotten Tomatoes. But I mean, for anyone who goes to Rotten Tomatoes for a, where is the score line? Should I check this movie out? 88% is a solid go see this movie. Yeah. Um, reviews are saying that it's like an awesome throwback to the 1980s, not just to how it looks, but how the movie's constructed. Uh, it's highly vibrant, it's colorful, it's playful, it's surprisingly effective uh, at satirizing some things from the 80s. Um, you know, some of the complaints say it's a little bit cheesy or goofy. Uh, one of the big complaints, which I thought was interesting, just as far as reviews, and none of this is spoiler, I'm not gonna say anything specific, but that uh, they're saying that the film's final act uh, doesn't quite land, kind of turns into a bunch of crazy CG, which is a lot of people's complaint of the first Wonder Woman movie. Yeah. So something to look out for. But uh, Jenkins is an enormously talented filmmaker on whom the studio <laughs> took a chance, one that seldom questioned when conferred upon men, and she proves her worth by never letting the spectacle down, drown out the performances. Uh, let's see. Things can get a little bit messy can on the way to the climax. People? Sorry, Mike. Can you name the people who are saying? Oh yeah. So that was that was from Variety. Okay. Uh, my bad. Uh, let's see. We got uh the Barry Hertz from Globe and Mail says a as candy colored and bright as the first film was all muddy dark blues. Wonder Woman 1984 has an enlivening sense of bubbly pop to it. Um, let's see, we got, uh, let's see, Kate Erblin from IndieWire. It's also brimming with the same wonder and joy as the first film, the rare movie of any stripe that doesn't just want to believe in the goodness of people, but is willing to make them truly work for it. That's super heroic. Mm. So all in all, feeling good. I was already super stoked to see Wonder Woman 84 because like I said, we've been waiting a long time, but yeah. now I'm like extra, extra stoked. I think this is going to be an awesome Christmas present for all of us geeks. Uh, what are you guys thinking? Stoked? Yeah. Excited? More yeah. excited? Yeah, def definitely stoked. I mean, I think we had kind of heard the rumblings that the movie was not turning out the way that they wanted before the first trailer came out. Right, right. And that first trailer came out and it was 80s. It was 80s awesomeness. Now, you know, an editor can do an amazing thing with the trailer. You can make almost any movie look pretty good. Yeah. But there was there was a vibe to the trailer that was like, God, I, I, 
I, I know things that things can go off the rails sometimes, but this seems awesome. But I remember when we were at um, the Comic-Con in, in Hall H, what was it? I guess it would have been 2018 when yeah. they showed the first footage from it. Oh, yeah. And there was definitely a vibe in the room of, oh, I, mm-hmm. I, I hope that this comes together because already this feels differently. I mean, granted, you're you're watching things out of context um, and you're watching things that are still in process. Mm-hmm. And Patty Jenkins was very clear with that. Like, hey, guys, this is just a, this is a cool effect shot we wanted to show you. Yeah. Um, we can't tell you what's going on. You can you can kind of put to, put it together a little bit. It is weird, though, that the first one kind of had this dark cloud hanging over it. A lot of that had to do with the casting of Gal Gadot because people yeah. knew her from Fast and Furious and they were not overly impressed with her work in the fast and furious and i and i will count myself as one of those i I was not crazy about her in batman versus superman but under the direction of patty jenkins she turned in a fantastic performance and i feel like her her skills like she's getting better and better and better with each movie but i don't think she's ever as good as she is with patty jenkins um a lot of a lot of movie stars have that one director that they shine under i mean for schwarzenegger it's james cameron i mean Schwarzenegger's never better than in a James Cameron movie. Um, but it is weird that both times with Wonder Woman that this dark cloud kind of kind of presides over it before it's released. And then it comes out. And at this point, it is proving the naysayers wrong. Yeah. It's all, so weird that a female superhero movie with a female <laughs> director just constantly gets questioned like this. I don't know where that comes from. I mean, I mean to be, there is definitely a case for that, but I mean, every superhero movie now gets scrutinized to pieces, but certainly that's an element of it that you can't ignore that is there for sure. Uh, but if this is, this is not a bad pattern, if people are going to doubt you, then the critics love it, and then the fans are going to come in and mass them. Of course, it's not going to be the billion dollars that I think a lot of people were predicting, but at least these are great reviews for the most part. I've read most of them myself, and it's gotten me excited. I was not one of the people selected to see it early, so that's okay watching it, Christmas Day is going to be a lot of fun. I'm sure the three of us will review it for the Geek Buddies. It'll be a fun review for the three of us for sure. But this excites me. And a lot of the things that from the reviews that I'm hearing, the one thing I'm hearing, sorry, uh, through all these reviews is uh, it's what we need right now, a, a tonic for our times. And that makes me even more excited to see it. Of course, it's going to be bubbly and vibrant and colorful because the 80s were bubbly, bubbly and colorful and vibrant for the most part in pop culture mainstream. So I, you know, we had those neon bracelets and the, all that kind of stuff. So for me, all I think this sounds like it's going to hit all the right notes and I'm going to have a good time. I'm not surprised that there's issues with that ending. We saw some of that cheetah CGI fight in the last trailer. It did not win me over, didn't win a lot of people over. So that may be, and it may have shades of Black Panther where it's a great movie. And then that final fight, you yeah. kind of have to forgive it a little bit because it's CGI heavy or CGI based. So we shall see. But overall, great to see these positive reviews. Now I'm excited to see it even more. And I hope it's something that most people will enjoy uh, in the end and, and walk away and, and want to see it multiple times. Because obviously this is one of the perks of it coming out on HBO Max. You can watch it multiple times in a day. You don't have to keep coming back to the theater. You can literally sit there and watch it three or four times in a row and enjoy yourself. Sounds like it's going to be the most wonderful time of the year for everybody. Oh, boy. Uh, And actually, I did also want to mention, if you are interested, if you don't mind being spoiled slightly, you can go to YouTube. Uh, HBO Max has released the very, very beginning opening scene of the movie. Uh, I watched it uh, since I knew we'd be talking about it. And 
I got to say it got me stoked. The thing that got me the most stoked about it, uh, Hans Zimmer, I don't know if he did the entire score for Wonder Woman 2, but he did do the opening track called Themyscira, which was released on iTunes a while ago. And I got to say, like, as a movie score nerd, this music has got me hyped. And if this is the way the music is going to sound for the whole movie, the Wonder Woman... The first Wonder Woman movie has some amazing music in it. Yeah. But uh, this opening track that is in the scene that you can see on YouTube right now that HBO Max released, is uh, it is straight movie score fire. So yeah. go check that out. Uh, I will be listening to it as I do my garage workouts that Michael Kalinowski is so excited <laughs> to talk about. But, I mean, but if this does well, what's the conversation to have afterwards? Is there a Wonder Woman 3 in play? And if it is... Is it going to be straight to streaming? Is it going to be theater specific? What do you think will be uh, the reaction to this afterwards? And do you think Patty and uh, and uh, uh, Gal are going to be asking for a huge chunk of change up front instead of any back end points or any of this stuff like that? We because there was a report today that Marvel is now or Disney is now re, uh, not renegotiating but negotiating uh, for both possibilities now for projects going forward what a streaming will look like a contract and what a, a straight to theater uh, will look I, like. So what do you see, Mike? I don't think anybody knows. I, I think that right now we're living in a time where by necessity, mm-hmm. the studios are making the decisions they're making. And we've yeah. talked about this a hundred times. And there's a thousand articles you can read about it. But the I think the end, the end answer is that once movie theaters are open, once we get to the end of this crazy, crazy point in history that we're living through, yeah. and we can all go to the movie theaters whenever we want, uh, then is when the rubber is going to meet the road. Then we're going to see what they really do because I think there is an upshot. Like I think I think it's a safe bet to say that the window between theaters and streaming is going to become much smaller, no matter what. Uh, I, I, I maybe some studios are still going to do this day and date, and if if you have Disney Plus or you have Disney Plus Premium, you get to see it at home, but other people are going to go to the theater. Like right. there's a there's a cup there's a thousand ways that they're doing it. And it doesn't surprise me that they're sort of negotiating it both ways. I'm sure that most of the people, uh, I was talking about this with a friend of mine last night about all the Marvel shows, that uh, none of the Marvel actors who were kind of contracted for multiple movies had streaming TV shows in their contracts. So that was a new contract that had to be done. But you can guarantee that if you get cast in a superhero movie uh, or a Star Wars movie at any point moving forward, there's going to be a, and if you're in streaming, we're figuring this out now, X number of TV shows, X number of episodes. So it's definitely all going to change. We'll see how drastically it changes uh, yeah. once once the, the necessity is gone. Well, well, and also you figure, because it was reported that Patty and Gal Gadot both got a payout, um, that the other creators for the t- uh, 2021 WB slate of films have not gotten as of yet no. that, that, that those, are, those conversations are ongoing. I'm assuming they gave them that payout because they definitely do want a third Wonder Woman mm-hmm. film. But at this point, uh, it's not going to show up for at least four years because yeah. Patty Jenkins is moving on to Rogue Squadron, which is supposed to come out December of 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the likelihood of squeezing in a third Wonder Woman in that window is very unlikely. <laughs> but my guess is if they're if they're paying them that significant amount to make up for what they're not going to make from the film's theatrical mm-hmm. release, they definitely want a third film. Absolutely.
Well, we'll see what happens. It drops next week uh, as Christmas uh, comes into the comes into view. Uh, it's going to be dropping there. Soul will be dropping as well. I imagine we'll try and do a review of that as well. If Mikey and Shannon are into it, we'll have a little fun with that too. So uh, certainly a lot of work for us uh, on Christmas Day eventually. I mean, eventually, not on Christmas Day, but certainly we'll be watching it on Christmas Day. And we'll be curious to hear what you all think uh, about it as well. Uh, all right, let's move on to our second one. Is that me? Is that me? That's Is you. That- all right, let's get into this thing. Well, we go from the sunny shores of Themyscira and the 80s into the darkness of Zack Snyder. Uh, this is coming to us from Deadline. Uh, Zack Snyder's uh, uh, new cut of Justice League apparently has changed so much that he believes his four-hour opus, this is what Deadline is reporting, will be rated R. The, uh, apparently, he said uh, the movie is insane and so epic and is probably rated R. That's one thing I think will happen, that it will be an R-rated version for sure. We haven't heard from the MPAA, and he's been say- he said this to EW, Entertainment Weekly, in an interview, but that's my gut. So, uh, and Snyder, per Snyder, as Zack Snyder said, this Ben Affleck's Batman uses the F word in one scene, Cyborg speaks his mind, which I don't know what that means, and bad guy Steppenwolf is pretty violent, hacking people in half. Um, uh, Warner Brothers filmmaker was asked about the elephant in the room that being the studio's audacious theatrical HBO Max day and date release strategy for 2021 Uh, Zack Snyder said it felt like a pretty bold move and that maybe the implication wasn't 100% thought out I feel like there's a lot of people panicking during COVID I hope that in the end that's what this was some sort of knee jerk reaction to COVID and not some sort of greater move to disrupt the theatrical experience I thought we were kind of getting already getting very close to the ideal theatrical window where you still had marketing material out there and you hadn't forgotten about the film by the time it came out, came out on DVD or streaming, I thought we were starting to hone, on, hone in on that sweet spot. But this kind of throws a monkey wrench into the works. Now, remember, Justice League cost $300 million, and Snyder had to step away and all of that. So uh, this is uh, an interesting situation here. We got Ben Affleck. We got Batman cussing. Cyborg speaking his mind, which I don't know what that means, to be honest with you. Steppenwolf ripping people in half. But I'm not surprised that he wants to rate this thing an R. This is Zack Snyder's Justice League. And I imagine if he's getting the reins taken off of him, he wants to do his vision of this dark version of the Justice League. And we saw, and not Justice League Dark, his dark version of the Justice League. And we've seen from his previous films, they had to rein him back to get him under that PG-13 thing, barely. So does this encourage you or discourage you that it's going to be an R-rated version of Justice League. Uh, anyone would like to chime in? Uh, I'll, I'll go first because I'm sure Vogel has a has a rant <laughs> that, 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 that is that is developing right now. Um, whether or not Batman drops an f bomb or Steppenwolf is hacking CGI people in half, I I really don't think that's going to up my enjoyment nor detract from it if that is what happens i mean the idea of it going theatrically i kind of doubt because a four-hour film is you know obviously they would probably do a a a break in the center and there's only so many times you can play a four-hour film in a theater i don't know if that makes uh financial sense really um but yeah, I mean, at this point, the people who are going to watch Justice League, they're going to watch Justice League. I mean, they 
the the the, the devout fans are there the, yeah. and the people that are curious are there will your average moviegoer care that much i don't know and i don't think the idea of batman again telling you know telling the flash or aquaman to f off i don't think that's going to get that many people to tune into hbo max mm-hmm. that's that's just my thought yeah uh mike thoughts <sighs> well <laughs> The idea of sitting in a theater for four hours watching a Zack Snyder movie uh, <laughs> does make my butt clench up a little bit. Doesn't, right. doesn't, doesn't really get me too excited. Uh, no, look, here's the thing. I don't, I don't care if Batman says fuck. Like, I, I don't care. Uh, I, I think that, to me, the fact that the news on Justice League, Zack Snyder's big thing that he's excited about is like, guys... Batman says fuck and like Steppenwolf's hacking people up makes me go maybe what you're excited about about a superhero movie and what I'm excited about about a superhero movie are not the same things mm-hmm. like I I want to know I want to know uh hey I feel like Superman's arc was really handled poorly when Joss did it I'm turning Superman into the hero that I want him to be or this movie really focuses more on the relationship between Batman and Superman, or you really see how Diana Clark and Bruce come together to form this, they each represent a different thing about heroism. Like, there's a thousand things you could tell me that you're doing and that what your version is that Joss's wasn't, that I would go, oh, that's interesting. But Batman dropping an F-bomb and Steppenwolf, like, hacking people, now, like, Cyborg speaking his mind and having a bigger role in the relationship between his dad being bigger, like, that, that I'm interested in. But it's like, it just, to me, is the, the fact that he came out with this news and Twitter sort of devolved into, should Batman say fuck or not? I'm like, this is not the thing. I will also say, sort of, on the executive side of things, this is sort of, to me, aside from my own personal enjoyment, this is sort of where I feel like Zack goes down, or Zack Snyder goes down a road that is not good for the overall DC franchise. Mm-hmm. I, look, I love Harley Quinn. It's one of my favorite animated shows of the year. Uh, there's so many F, S, C, Q, R, P, and W bombs in that show. Like, I can't get past everything they say. So, like, it's not that I have some side of sort of issue that you shouldn't do that. But when you're doing the features, we talked about this a few weeks mm. ago when we discussed the uh, Netflix Marvel characters yeah. moving into uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, particularly around Punisher, mm. where we kind of said, like, Marvel is intense emotionally, has awesome action, doesn't shy away from heavy moments, but Marvel movies are made for a family to enjoy. Yeah. You can you as a, you as an old school comic book guy or girl that's been reading them your entire life can take your kids to those movies and you can enjoy Cap and Iron Man and Vision and Wanda and the Guardians of the Galaxy as a family. Mm. Zack Snyder does not create a superhero universe that you can enjoy with the whole family mm-hmm. on his own as you said i mean they had to rein him back on the others yeah. and let loose to his own devices he's like f-bombs and hacking and so if that's your jam if you're excited about this like awesome you're gonna see it on hbo max if he gets it in a theater go see it like more power to you yeah. but from a business standpoint as dc looks to marvel and as we all look at what marvel's doing on disney plus and the features Going down that road on the feature level does not get you a universe the way that Marvel does. And if you don't care about that, that's cool. But that's something that studios need to consider. Yeah, that's a fair point. I make you make a lot of good points, I think, as you 
talk about this, especially the idea of like, well, what's the story? What are we seeing? What's going to inspire people to come see this movie uh, with these characters in this, right? What, like you said, what's going to bring Clark and Diana and Bruce together? What's going to like, give us some inspiring things that we want to come and enjoy in this film. But I also, by the same token, I think Zach knows how to play that that audience of his really well. I mean, he's the one that kind of, uh, kind of pushed it along and kind of came along with it and came along with the fandom and got them all excited about it on Vero. So he senses that his fans are respond do respond to the idea of Batman cussing, the idea of Zep- Steppenwolf ripping people in half. Look, I'm I'm cool with it. I'm excited. I want to see it. if it works organically in the piece. Why wouldn't Bruce Wayne cuss? He's a billionaire playboy who's an adult. So I got no problem with him cussing or saying the f bomb. He's not Captain America. So I'm cool with him saying he's not Superman even. If Superman said, I think I'd have a real, real problem if Superman was to cuss, to be honest with you. Batman, I don't mind. He's a creature of the night. You know, things happen. But like with the, with this with this other situation, it's like, well, what else is there, right? I'm cool with him ripping people in half. I don't mind that. That's Zack Snyder. I know what, from that trailer, I know what I'm getting. I know what I'm getting and I'm cool with it. That being said, now I want to hear what are the inspiring things? What are the uplifting things? What are the things that I'm going to go as a fan and feel excited to see on screen through his eyes? The violence I know is going to be there. Now we know the cussing is going to be there. The cyborg thing is interesting. I keep honing on that because to me, it's like, what does that mean? Cyborg speaks his mind. Is he going to talk about Black Lives Matter, racial stuff? Is he going to talk about being the only black guy in this is he going to talk about these uh these issues in social issues in Mm -hmm. the world and we know how much uh, ray fisher has uh pushed that with what happened with him and and joss whedon on the set and jeff johns and what have you so are actual elements of his story being brought in to be part of cyborg's story so you can have these monologues i don't have a problem with that either as long as it's organically fitting into the movie to be honest with you so i mean his whole thing when he did that whole uh, event that you could go and see him talk about it is he said i wanted to do adult superheroes for adults his version of the adult is a little more r-rated uh than a lot of people would like to have so i it's his justice league that's why he put his name on it so that's what we're going to see i don't think it's a big deal but i appreciate that people do feel it's a big deal i just go like why are you surprised by this from the trailer why are you surprised by this so it I mean, look, you are, look, you have, I will give him absolute credit. Like Zack Snyder is a marketing force in and of himself yes, in his is. own right. Like he is a Very marketing smart. force. Uh, and look, he knows, and, and look, we said this, like he knows his base is showing up to watch Zack Snyder's Justice League. Like yep. he has a base, they're coming. Um, the real question is like, is he going to get the other people? You know what I mean? Like, right. I think you're absolutely right. Any news he comes out with uh, he, between now and this thing releasing, you can go right down the line on Twitter and anything he says, his his base, the Snyder, the Snyder bros are gonna be like, awesome. <coughs> and the other side is gonna roll their eyes and be like, of course Zack Snyder is doing that. Right. And at the end of the day, we're all gonna watch it. So yeah, yeah. I cannot wait for us to do our review of Zack Snyder's Justice League on HBO Max. It is going to be, of all the things that we have argued and debated and reviewed and discussed, that one is going to be a discussion for the ages and I'm yeah. already doing workouts to make sure <laughs> to make sure that my eyes can roll that far back into my wow. head without wow. doing permanent damage. Yeah. 
And, yeah. uh, and more than likely, those reviews are going to take place over a month because my guess with HBO Max, it's going to release one episode yeah. a week. Probably, probably. So not only will your eyes need strengthening, they'll need conditioning as well because they're going to have to do that for four times. And I'll, I'll have to pace myself and begin meditating again so I can handle... <laughs> arguments in these debates without, without having a heart attack. Yeah. It's going to be fun. And God forbid, and you know we'll probably bring on Kalinowski, it's going to be a hell of a battle at that point, a four-way uh, in the pit for sure. Oh, God. Johnny, I don't, to... really, I don't really think you and I are going to be in the pit, Johnny. We're going to be hanging <laughs> off to the side enjoying yeah. the show. I'm going to have to hire a trainer to get myself prepared for this. <laughs> I mean, like, I need need like a a, a, a a movie review montage of me just working out. Like I'm ready. I'm ready. I just want to see Kalinowski show up with a stack of Shannon's cookies. A stack of Shannon's cookies. I'm ready, champ. Let's do it. Uh, all right. Well, let's, we'll see what's happening. I don't think they've released a date yet of when this thing mm -hmm. is dropping. So we're still waiting to hear that. But, you know, Zach, true to form. Every few weeks, dropping something to keep people still thinking about it, talking about it, interested. Uh, very smart. Like you said, Mike, he's a marketing machine all on his own. He's very smart about that. Uh, all right, what's our last uh, news story before we take our break and get into our big topic? All right, well, the Library of Congress's National Film Registry has announced its annual list of 25 motion pictures picked to be preserved for future generations. Now, this next 25, it has actually brought the entire total up to 800 now, you might be wondering, how does a film get into that registry? Well, films, one, have to be at least 10 years old, and they have to be culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant to be considered. And something that I didn't know, the nominations are done by the public, which you can go mm -hmm. to loc.gov film, and the selections are then made by Carla Hayden, who is the librarian of Congress. And there's actually going to be a television special featuring several of these films and discussions between Hayden and the film historian Jacqueline Stewart, which will be shown Tuesday evening on TCM. Nice. So this year, we have the second superhero movie to be inducted, mm. The Dark Knight. So uh, the first was 1978 Superman. That was back in uh, uh, 2017. And uh, other nominees this year or other inductees, we have the Blues Brothers. We have Buena Vista Social Club, Grease, Freedom Riders, The Hurt Locker by Catherine Bigelow, The Joy Luck Club. They have a, a Charlie Chaplin film. I mean, it's, 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 really, uh, it's a really eclectic list. And nine movies helm helmed by women, seven by people of color. And some of the uh, directors, Stanley Kubrick, Christopher Nolan, Wayne Wang, and Wim Wenders, along with, uh, yeah, that Charlie Chaplin short. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I went back and looked, and there's actually quite a few animated movies. I think Disney by itself just has like 25. <laughs> but I think this is the first, uh, first DreamWorks film that has been inducted. And, uh, yeah, the fact that the only two superhero films in the National Film Registry are both from D.C. <laughs> <laughs> For so, now. <laughs> well, because now. when? For now. Because Dark, what year did Dark Knight come out? 2008. 2008. And when did Iron Man come out? I think same year. 2008. 2008. Yeah. I mean, so maybe, to see. maybe yeah. we get, maybe we get to 2029 and Avengers Endgame is inducted. Who knows? <laughs> but what do you gentlemen think of these inductees? I thought it was super cool. I mean, I was super, like, I, I didn't actually know any of this until like we were discussing what we were going to talk about today and Johnny sent out the topics and I was like, well, how about this is a whole government position that I didn't know existed that I'm super into. How do I become a librarian? I want to do it. Um, 
It was really great. I, I too went back uh, and was kind of like flipping through and seeing some of the previous inductees. Uh, yeah, so the original Superman and Dark Knight are now the two superhero movies. Uh, obviously a lot of animated things, but yeah, Shrek being in there is really, really interesting. Like, I, I was curious. Uh, I think Dark Knight, we all sort of have an assumption uh, it, it is one of the pinnacles of superhero storytelling. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just it, it it definitely was the movie that came along and more so than many others before it elevated the genre to something that we we hadn't realized a superhero movie could get there at that point. And there's definitely superhero movies since then that have done amazing things. But Dark Knight is, it makes sense to me that that's the one. If that's the one that you're going to take since uh, Donner's Superman to be in uh, in the National Registry, it makes sense to me. Shrek is interesting because why do we think it made it in? Like, I love it and I'm super happy that it's in there, but like from a CG standpoint, uh, Toy Story was the revolutionary thing, Shrek yeah. wasn't. So it's not the CG, it's not the aesthetic of the movie, so it's more the content of the movie. Um, and I think it's great that it's in there. I think it's really awesome. Uh, I have my theories about it, but I was something I was gonna ask you guys, like what do you think about Shrek being in there and why it made, why it, made it when there's so many other possibilities out there in the world of CG animation. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll throw to John because he's more the, the film critic, but that was something I was wondering as well. Like why this year, like A Clockwork Orange is being inducted this year. I'm like, why did it take, why now? Like well, Shrek was released in 2000. Why did it yeah. take 20 years for it to be recognized? Well, and we don't know if it's been like uh, proposed for a number of years now since it became qualified for it to be considered for this library and they do this every year 25 films every year uh so it's pretty incredible to see and usually a variety as you said and it's good to see now they're understanding the, the taking a you know the pulse of the culture now which is more women more people of color let's include these to show what's happening with the shrek situation i think it's all about the fact that this is starting to become a more appreciated uh, uh franchise and I, I i like all four of these shrek movies I enjoy them thoroughly. I watch them. I have no. I love Rumpelstiltskin in the fourth one. I even enjoy Justin Timberlake as a weird King Arthur. I think there's something to enjoy in all four of those films. What? What are you three? Shrek three. What you talking about? Shrek three. Get out of town. Shrek the third. Yeah. Shrek the third is a horrible movie. More like more like Shrek the third. Uh, as Shannon I, said, I'm the film critic here, so I'm telling you how to feel. About <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm just joking. Uh, no, uh, I, I like Shrek the third. Really. I, I do. I do. I've not not liked oh. any of the Shrek films. I like the Fairy Godmother stuff is hilarious to me. I love the Merlin Timberlake stuff with King Arthur that they body swap. That's hilarious throughout the movie for me. Uh, and then I even like Puss in Boots. So to me, the Shrek franchise is a damn good franchise. And I think it deserves to be included in the National Film Registry. Also because it's DreamWorks animation. As you guys said, it's something different, right? Something different that did spawn three other uh, uh, sequels and a spinoff and not a lot of franchise and not a lot of animated franchise movies get it gets a chance to do that necessarily. And they did. So I think they deserve to be in here. My, uh, but uh, Shannon, if you want to chime in on this, but my, my, my other thing is I'm really surprised by the blues brothers being included. And I'm really surprised by Greece. Now Greece is a great musical. Absolutely. People love it, but Greece has been around since what 78. So for it to finally qualify, how many people finally voted for it to finally get it over the hump and blues brothers. That's pretty much a guilty pleasure for a lot of people. It did not do well at the box office. It's kind of doesn't hold up with some of the stuff in that movie. 
but overall it's still one of people one of uh, people's favorite ones to watch it's in constant rotation on cable so maybe that's uh, the reasons why those two were included I mean, Grease, Grease, I'm surprised that it took this long. Yeah, like Grease is one of those musicals that, at least for me in my house, my, my sisters loved watching that movie. I didn't appreciate it until much, much later when I got into like drama and musical theater. Blues Brothers, it's so weird because, you know, it spawned one sequel in 1998, which, you know, you couldn't really do without the loss of Belushi, which they did address yeah. in the movie. The movie wasn't the movie wasn't awesome. I mean, no. at that point, the epic car crashes. It's like, all right, we've gone through the 80s and the 90s. The car crash has been done. Right. Um, but at at the Universal Studios Park, like in Hollywood, the Blues Brothers yeah. show, it, it was a staple for years. I mean, I think it finally went away about maybe five years ago. But in Orlando, uh, on their New York streets, they actually have it is it's I mean, it's perfectly fitting for for the property, but it is this ramshackle little stage that is just held together with uh, chewing gum and duct tape <laughs> um, and people. And like it's not it's not a proper theater like it's it's a street. So yeah. people show up every day to watch that show to stand. And sometimes, you know, during the Florida summers, it is hot. It's hot yeah. and it's human, but they will still stand on this cobblestone street and watch these two old guys <laughs> sing and dance. Well, I think you I think you make a good point. It's like I think some of the times with these movies, what does take so long is that it's not the movie itself. Mm. Uh, it's the cultural importance of the movie that comes over time. Yeah. And Blues Brothers, when it came out, was Blues Brothers. But to your point, Shannon, like mo a lot, there's a lot of people that only know the Blues Brothers through going to Universal, and that's yeah, how they discover probably. them. And I think that they've become sort of so entrenched as a part of pop culture, as has Greece, yeah. uh, for better or for worse. I mean, we all love Greece. A lot of us grew up with Greece. We perform Greece in musicals, but we also sort of make fun of Greece because the whole point of the movie is, hey, girl, you should change yourself for a man. Like so, there's a, there's a whole aspect there too. Similarly with Shrek, uh, I think Johnny makes a really good point about uh being one of the first mega movies that did spawn an entire franchise and multiple sequels uh before a lot of other movies before pixar was even necessarily fully going down that road in all of their sequels and i think also though uh it kind of was a turning it was a turning point for dreamworks it's where yeah. they kind of just abandoned yeah. 2d animation entirely mm -hmm. and it was also um the moment where movies started coming out that were doing the anti-disney you know, I think I think it also represents sort of that anti-Disney, like whereas Disney is the beauty and the beast, the ugly beast turns into the prince. Shrek was real beauty is I love you how you look and I would prefer you to be an ogre than the pretty princess. So I think that in that way, it sort of like makes the cut into it's a different type of fairy tale for a different type of world. So I do think it's interesting when you look at these movies that like, like the Greases and Blues Brothers that could have been on their way before that weren't mm -hmm. or looking at why. And it's like. You know, it's it's not always about the movie itself, but it's about what the movie says about the time that we live in or what it what it reflects back to us about ourselves, which I think is interesting, too. Yeah. I mean, it says that in the thing like it's like the, the film's cultural significance. Um, I, I know we're trying to move on to our main topic. I tell you guys a quick story. Back when I was in Florida, you know, they have a men in black attraction. They have a men in black ride. And for a while, they had men in black walk around performers. So that was that was one of my jobs as I was an MIB agent. So you would hop into like the black Lincoln. Oh, yeah. Oh, I look I look I, look, I was I was 22. I was in shape. I, I look great. Um, but the only difference between the Blues Brothers and the men in black is a black fedora. And, and the, you know, they drive an old police car with a giant speaker on top. So me and this guy, this this older gentleman, 
uh, we were driving around in the men in black car and this woman who was from Chicago, who had probably worked in a bar for about 30 years. She stopped. It's like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> it's the blues brothers. Oh, people in my bar. Love you guys. What are your names? What are your names? She pointed at me. She's like, you're uh, you're Elroy. And you're uh, to the older guy. And he went, uh, Jack, <laughs> Jack and Elroy. Oh, I got to get a picture of that. People aren't going to believe this. And so as she goes, you know, walks away, I'm like, you know, it's Jake, right? He's like, yeah. And I also know it's not Elroy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so my little blues brothers experience. <laughs> but then, but then you just, you just neuralized her. You know, ne- you got there, you neuralized her and now she doesn't remember her name. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's, it's a good group. And also I want to give a shout out quickly to Buena Vista Social Club. That's one of my favorite documentaries. I have the Criterion Collection version of it right here. I mean, I love watching that. Such a great reappreciation of Cuban music that had been kind of uh, stamped out by uh, communism and how this, how Wim Wenders went down there. Oh, no, was it? I think it was Wim went down there and interviewed uh, a bunch of these, uh, a bunch of these Cuban musicians when they were being allowed to come back and perform their stuff. And if you haven't watched Buena Vista Social Club, it is one of the greatest documentaries, musical documentaries you're ever going to watch, or music documentaries you're ever going to watch. It's just so, so good. So it's a, it's a great mix. And you'll, and there's some foreign stuff in here too throughout. So it isn't just American movies. It is a, movies that have crossed over or come over or been seen here. And so much love to them putting it. And I think it's a positive thing, Mike, like you said, it's great to have something that's involved with the government that preserves art like films yeah. you know, and, and appreciates their effect on our world. So many people uh, want to rock around and dismiss the arts. The arts are so essential to our existence uh, that uh, people want to discount. It's the first thing they want to cut all the time, but they I mean, have no idea how much it keeps them alive. And so same people that go home and watch a fucking comedy on their television when they get home uh, and who want to cut the arts, you know, kiss my ass with that shit. Literally pays my bills. So. <laughs> Fair enough. And it kind of pays mine too. All right. All right. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break and we'll jump into our main topic uh, and stretch out a little bit before we get into it. Cause it's going to get rough. All right. We'll be back. Do 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 see I thought we would have been like dun 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 I mean that would have made sense, but we were just talking about the blues brothers and I thought it was I know I know, but like I'm so excited about where we're going now. Stop living in the past, man! Man Marty! All right. Well, let's get into the, the the battle here. As you may or may not have heard, if you are, if you're on social media, I don't know Whew. how. You it, but uh, uh, there was a uh, clandestine recording of Tom Cruise, who was apparently shouting at workers on the set of Mission Impossible Seven and threatening to fire them because they were uh, what he deemed to be breaking COVID nineteen guidelines. Apparently, from what the reporting is, and this is we're getting this from the Sun and other places. Apparently, it was these two gentlemen who are standing too close to each other by a monitor and talking about uh, talking about stuff. And this is what prompted uh, uh, Tom Cruise to kind of uh, get very upset and scream at them. He said uh, things like, if I see you doing it again, you're gone. Uh, seeing two crew members standing too close to one another in front of a computer screen. He said also, that's it. No apologies. You can tell the people that are losing their homes because our industry is shut down. Uh, they're back there in Hollywood making movies right now because of us. We are creating thousands of jobs. We are not shutting this movie down. Is it understood? If I see it again, 
you're gone. All this you're, stuff. Uh, yep. uh, your what? reading of this is a leaving out a couple words that are very important. Your, yeah, your reading can... sounds. Your sure, reading but... sounds very uh, whitewashed here. A little bit. Uh, uh, whitewashed. Don't you? You left out. You left out the Batman f bombs. Yeah, right, 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 right. I, I believe it was. I believe it was. Yes. This is our fucking industry. We are putting fucking food on fucking tables. No apologies. You tell people they're not going to lose their fucking homes. I wasn't done. You know, I wasn't done. <laughs> he said, we are the gold standard. They're back there in Hollywood making movies right now because of us, because they believe in us and what we're doing. I'm on the phone with every fucking studio at night, insurance companies, producers, and they're looking at us and they are, oh, sorry, and they're looking at us. Uh, I lost it here. I'm on the phone. Yeah, we're, and they're looking at us and using us to make their movies. We are creating thousands of jobs, you motherfuckers. I don't ever want to see it again, ever. You can tell it to the people who are losing their fucking homes because our industry shut down. It's not going to put food on their table or pay for their college education. That's what I sleep with every night, the future of this fucking industry. So I'm sorry. I am beyond your apologies. I have told you, and now I want it. And if you don't do it, you're out. We are not shutting this fucking movie down. Is it understood? If I see it again, you're fucking gone. Am I clear? Do you understand what I want? Do you understand the responsibility that I have? Because I will deal with your reason. And if you can't be reasonable and I can't deal with your logic, you're fired. That's it. That is it. I trust you guys to be here. All right. And this comes on the heels of them delaying the film for 52 days because of COVID. Remember, he's shooting these things back to back with Christopher McQuarrie. Some very, very strong words, as Michael pointed out. I was getting to them, but some very, very strong words, as Michael pointed out, from Tom Cruise yelling at these uh, uh, crew members. I was, I am in, I'll say this right off the bat, and then we'll get into the discussion. I am in favor of what he did. I liked what he did. Uh, I thought it was correct. I tweeted it out. And, uh, uh, you know, a couple of uh, sites uh, like BBC or whatever picked up the tweet and used it. But whatever, the point is I still I still feel strongly that this was the correct thing to do because a lot of us are pretty sick of seeing people violating protocols all the time, not wearing their masks correctly, being lackadaisical about this kind of stuff. And I wish more store managers would yell at customers. I wish more people would yell at people who don't have their masks. Yesterday, Judge Judy came out with a story where she, in an interview, said that she confronted a guy at her hair salon who was not wearing a mask. She dressed him down and yelled at him and told him, you like Judge Judy? Well, you're not going to like me now. And went off on him. He came back later with his mask on and apologized to Judge Judy. So, you know, at some point, we got to stop holding hands and stroking hair. At some point, people are dying in record numbers, and we need some strong reactions here. And I don't fault Tom Cruise, but I know... That is not the majority opinion on this uh, show. So let's get into it. Michael. Oh, well, the first thing I want to say is, and this is why I would be fired very early on if I was a production person. When he said it in the thing, when I was listening to it and he said, <laughs> am I clear? I was like, oh man, I wouldn't have been, I would have been like crystal. Crystal. <laughs> and he would have said, and he would have said, what did you say? And I would have said, well, you said, am I clear? And you said crystal. And then we said this and he would have been like, oh, he's a funny guy. Like I would have gotten fired in that moment, fired off the set. Uh, look, I, I do think it's funny. I think I said this to you guys yesterday when we were texting about it. I find it amazing that Tom Cruise is truly the only guy in Hollywood that can get a recording of him dropping the F-bomb and screaming at an entire set full of people. And people will be like, he's a fucking hero. Like him, him or George Clooney, I think are the only two people. Maybe, but like you know, like with like the the closest thing that this sounds like is Bale on the set of uh, oh, Terminator. 
No, no, no. I'm not saying. Look, I'm not saying. I, no, there's no photographer. That's not. No, you know, you're you're saying the closest I'm saying comparison. If oh, when you oh, listen oh. to oh. how angry he is, screaming at the top of his lungs at a crew, yelling yeah. "fuck" left and right, the closest thing it sounds like is Bale. Now, look, Bale was just going off. Like with Tom Cruise, we do have this fact that what he was yelling about is something that we are all dealing with like literally globally the entire world is dealing with it every one of us in little ways big ways small ways whatever whatever side you land on this like you think the masks are ridiculous and the social distancing rules are ridiculous or you don't everybody has had to deal with your friend who felt a different way than you the discussion of i'm not going to go to this place because this person is at this place or i can't go hey mom i can't come home because you and dad are doing this like we've all dealt with this at some level so he's yelling about something that we universally understand right now and are all dealing with i applaud the level with which he cares about the bigger industry as a whole and the way that this affects everybody. Like the, mm-hmm. the fact that what he was screaming about was not his own safety. What he was screaming about was not just, we're not gonna be able to make this movie and I can't make my bajillion dollars. He was screaming about the industry and if we get shut down, everybody gets shut down. And so I applaud him in that right. Where you and I just disagree and we have disagreed about this for 20 years and we yeah. will disagree without about it for the next 20 years is at Tom Cruise's level, at Tom Cruise's level of importance, at Tom Cruise's level of influence, at Tom Cruise's level of his ability to be at the be at the top of the entertainment industry pyramid. Mm-hmm. I think you can I think he could have done everything that he did and gotten his point across just as well without going crazy on set and dropping F bombs. Like that is like that is just a and this is not a I'm mad at Tom Cruise about it. Mm. I think this whatever. I live in a world where I just believe that the biggest issue we have right now beyond COVID or anything else is like that we are all so divided on things and we're screaming at each other every day, whether it be on social media in Twitter or in real life at a rally or because somebody at Trader Joe's is kind of being stupid and has their nose sticking out over their mask, whatever it is. We're all so angry and we're so upset and we're so quick to anger that it's easy to just fall into this. Like I'm screaming, I'm fed up, I'm upset. Tom Cruise could have gotten his point across without doing all that. That's all I feel about it. I think that I think that's my that's my opinion. I, I want to come back in it, but Shannon, please. Um, I 100% agree with you, John. I think mm. under normal circumstances, you can justify like, listen, there is no need to do that in front of people. You do not need to be dropping profanity. You don't need to be giving yeah. anyone a public dressing down. These are not normal circumstances. Um, you listen to his, you listen to that audio recording and yes, he is very angry. You can tell that his voice is slightly muffled and that is because he more than likely has a mask on. Yeah. This is not the rant of an egocentric performer. This is a guy who is bearing the weight of this entire production, which is going to affect other entire productions now what thing one thing we are missing from this is context like we do not know what led up to this we don't know if there had been incidents before where someone has to come up and correct someone's behavior you know i've been reading on twitter with some people that i agree with that that i i generally generally agree with 
they're like, if, you know, if I'm a PA making $14 an hour and, you know, four foot 11 Tom Cruise comes up yelling at me, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, okay, one, we do not know if these were two PAs. Like to, yeah. to my knowledge, that has not been confirmed. This right. could be two crew heads. This, this could be guys that are actually making a good amount of money. And I think if you're working on a production as big as Mission Impossible, you know, two Mission Impossible sequels, you know, you're not getting, uh, 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 what, what, what am I trying? What, uh, you're not getting fourteen dollars an hour. Exactly. No, I th- you're I think not. You, you're not. You're, you're making I, way more than that. I think. I think you're you're probably getting the best of the best. Yes. So for him to reach this level, because no matter what you think of his personal life, professionally he is known to be not just a very reasonable guy, but a pretty good guy. Yeah. So the fact that it has reached this level there was probably a history here. So the fact that he yeah. took it upon himself to, he probably lost his cool. And, and you can hear that by the end. He does calm down. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I think it was 100% justified. And I think we would all like to have Tom Cruise next to us the next time we go out in public. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing that I, I feel like, I feel, oh, I'm cool with that. I feel like, uh, uh, because no one's, uh, and, and people who, and I saw that too. I was like, oh, I'd have, I'd have beat him up. Like, you didn't do shit. It's Tom Cruise. <laughs> you ain't doing shit to Tom Cruise, especially because the second you swung your hand back, three dudes would step right in front of you and crush and bush you into the ground. Uh, and the second thing is, is, and that's what I didn't like, Shannon, is I saw some people developing narratives that they had absolutely no basis for. You know, 14 to 15, you have no idea that was two PAs. And you sure as fuck ain't man for, making 14 to $15 as a PA on the sets for Mission Impossible 6, six and 7 back to back. There's no way you're making that much. You're making much more. Now, that doesn't mean that you do you with that extra money you do deserve to get yelled at or you can't that does not mean that but i'm just saying i'm gonna quash that narrative right now they did not make that being said this has clearly been building it sounded to me like this is not the first time he's seen this he said you know something like i know i've heard i've seen this like he said something that alluded to the fact that this is not the first time and he's saying i'll listen to your reason but if i don't agree with your reason or your logic you're gone so he's saying he'll be reasonable, he'll hear you out, but he had to let this out. And Michael, you make a good point. Should it have built to this point? Should he handle things this way? In a vacuum, in a regular instance on a set like Christian Bale? Fuck no. But this is something else. If they get, if one of them gets COVID, two of them gets COVID, an entire production is shut down for days and people lose money because these guys were casual about it. So we don't know. And well, like you said, we don't know the context. How many times were they casual? Has he been seeing this on the set too much? Has this been slowly building? And you know how sets are. People get more and more casual as they are on a, on a set longer and longer. They get more relaxed. And Tom Cruise, which is not pointed out in these articles, he paid 500,000, I think, pounds or Lyra to rent out a cruise ship as a quarantine area for them all to be in like a bubble. All the crew and the staff are on that ship. And so, you know, they, that, and then they come to work and back and forth. So that's the thing. I think there's a lot more here than just, this is a dude losing it on the set. I think there, I think that's true. And I do want to be like, I, my, look, I don't have an issue. I think Tom Cruise in the big scheme of everything to Shannon's point, look, he has a reputation for being a good guy. Yeah. People, uh, people that we know personally have been like, I've been on the set with Tom Cruise. He's a good guy. Uh, to your point, he has gone out of his way to try and create a safe work environment that allows production to move forward. Like on any level of this big picture, Tom Cruise comes out a hero. Uh, as I said at the beginning, even the fact that what he's screaming about 
is other people's livelihoods. Like he yep. comes out ahead on all of this. So it, I actually don't have an issue. Like when the stuff came out yesterday and I heard it, uh, I was kind of like, all right, yeah, I get it. I get it. Tom Cruise. I will say that like, you know, you both are kind of going like, well, people are creating a narrative, but then there's also, you're creating a narrative a little bit as well of like, well, I mean, it sounds like these people were, had done this before and he probably did this. And, and like, we, it, yeah. no, no, for sure. But I'm just saying like, the fact of the matter is we don't know. Like, right. and were these people like, you have to be six feet apart and he saw you five feet apart and he's yelled at you a few times about it. And he flipped out because you were both trying to look at a monitor at the same time. And in the big scheme of things, maybe this wasn't the straw to break their camel's back. Like we can all conjecture one way or the other all day. What I will say is what bothers me more, uh, I think as I, as I woke up this morning, cause it didn't bother me last night. I was kind of like, yeah, Tom, like, I mean, I get it. Yeah. You got, you need to, you need to run a smooth set and you kind of lost your cool. Okay. It was when I opened up Twitter this morning mm. and it was, it was the, as happens sometimes on social media, you people <laughs> were either on the don't you dare lionize Tom Cruise. How dare he ever speak to anybody this way? He's the absolute worst human being ever. Right. Or Tom Cruise is literally a hero. He is the greatest. We should all be screaming at people like this. That's the way we're going to defeat COVID. It's like, well, both of those things are crazy. Like neither of those things is well, actually mean, accurate. At, at what point do we stop holding hands? At what point are we done with this bullshit and we start yelling at these anti-masking motherfuckers and be like, cut it out. You're killing people. We are breaking records every day because of the casualness of these people not wearing masks and people like Trump completely having these super spreader events and asshole liberals having super spreader events in those parties as well. Like we're, it's from both sides that people are acting like complete idiots and assholes about this shit and not taking it seriously. I we've, he we've held yeah. hands and stroked hair for months. At some point, a good dressing down or yelling is good. Your father, I'm sure, yelled at you at some point for discipline. Your dad, I'm sorry, sorry, Shannon, I don't mean to say it, but I'm sure he yelled at you at times. My dad yelled at me. Sometimes you need a good yelling to kind of get you squared away about a situation. I, he wasn't insulting them personally. He was saying, just stop well, doing look, it. Look, all this other shit. As I said, it's more, and to me, it really is more about this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's the reactions. It's like, yeah. look, I, I like, look, Tom Cruise lost his cool. I've lost my cool. Like, I, like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I've never lost my cool on anybody. I've lost oh, yeah. my cool on a few people. One worry. of them is on this podcast <laughs> and he didn't just come back from Orlando. Um, <laughs> but, so like, look, we've all lost. <laughs> there was one time you and I were yelling at each other so loudly in our old apartment that I thought the neighbors were going to call the police on us. So like, look, we have all, it's happened. And I do not fault Tom Cruise for losing his cool. The dude is under intense pressure, as he said. Producer of this whole he is the one that is talking to everybody and from insurance. Like, I get it. It's the, it's the lionizing of this behavior because I hate it. Like, and this is where you and I disagree. Do we all need to be clear on our rules? Do we all need to put our foot down for things that we're no longer going to accept? Absolutely. But the two sides of our divided country screaming at each other and dropping F-bombs is actually not going to heal anything. It's not going to work. So there's a, there is a way to be, there is a way to be, to your point, and I agree with you, enough is enough. We're putting our foot down. This needs to end. We need to be clear on this. And I think that you're 100% right on that. And I think Tom Cruise is 100% right on that on his set right now. I think that the, we are so fed up and Tom Cruise has gone on a, Tom Cruise level rant and we're like that's what we need I'm like that is actually not what we need and I think that Tom Cruise after he did that 
probably went off set and was like, oh, that probably wasn't the best way to handle that, but I was really mad. Um, so I think that's really what my big thing is, is like, you know, just w- opening up Twitter and seeing Tom Cruise is the worst, Tom Cruise is the hero. And I'm like, eh, I lose my cool sometimes. And I say some very funny things, but I feel bad about it after. <laughs> I mean, funny. <laughs> sir, <laughs> sir. I, I think that's absolutely fair. Shan, I mean, I, this is uh, this is a situation where I, I think, Mike, you, I think you break it down. I think that's actually fair. Like what he did uh uh maybe can be reasoned with some of the reaction i don't i tweeted some people i retweeted some people who are like i want tom cruise to be on a loop at a at a store until he's yelling at people and i love that because i mean we've seen those people walk into sprouts and purposely pick fights with managers because they didn't wear a mask on purpose to get on you know social media or whatever to get attention and this is way too serious you know and yeah he lost his cool I've been on many sets a lot where people lost their cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and the idea that people are like, oh, you know, people who have never, ever a, run a franchise were the star of a franchise, had people's jobs dependent on them in hundreds, if not thousands of numbers, really have a very, very weak-ass leg to stand on, in my opinion. If you haven't been in this situation before, it's not saying, yes, it's okay to yell at everybody all the time. It was in this situation. Maybe this was not the first time. And maybe we'll hear from crew members who say, hey, yeah, it had been going on, blah, 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 or whatever. Then then we've got some more context. But, Michael, you make a great point. There's no context here. But from what I'm seeing, Lord knows I've lost my cool. I can't fault him on this situation. And I certainly think if you're going to lose your cool, this is something to lose your cool about because people are losing their homes. People are losing their jobs. Yeah. People can't yeah. feed their kids. He, like, he he mentioned the movie, I think, once. Like yeah. he said, we are not shutting this effing movie down. What yeah. he's talking about is the collapse of the industry. He's talking right. about people not being able to send their kids to college or losing their homes or not being oh, yeah. able to put food on the table. Now, I've, I've worked... People, like, I hate that narrative, too. People are like, oh, rich people. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. I, well, I've, I worked with a lead on a show... And I would say I I was the subject of a little bit of demeaning behavior one day. And it was because that guy was an asshole. Yeah. Um, What what Tom Cruise did to me, that is not he he did not make anything personal. He didn't make anything personal. Um, Did he call them mother effers? Yes, he did. Um, Did he say how terrible they were at their jobs? Did he say, like, you are the worst person? Like he didn't he didn't go swimming with sharks on these guys. Like he, he was literally. Yeah, venting this frustration. So again, and this is not so much a response to Michael, but more um, seeing that behavior, seeing the the comments on Twitter of like, this is demeaning behavior. You should not do this to an adult. It's like, well, if they're not acting like an adult, then sometimes well, this is what the action that needs to be taken. Yeah. It, except, okay, well, here I'll push back on that a little bit. Uh, and again, not to agree because I kind of like I like literally woke up Twitter and like the two extremes. I'm like standing here in the middle and I was like, You're back. come on, really? What? What? <laughs> but I think that um, is, is what he did to those people on set in public in front of everybody else with the tone and anger and violence and words that he used demeaning. Yes. The answer is yes. Now, what now was it warranted? Have they been assholes on set? Have they been doing it? Like, no, like it, it, what he did is demeaning. The star, the biggest star in the world, the star of the movie, the executive producer, dressing down everybody in public like that in an extended rant 
is a demeaning thing. Whether it's warranted or not, big de- none of us know we weren't there. It is, a, it is demeaning to do that to somebody, to anybody. What Now, sometimes people deserve that kind of treatment very few times in my experience in life but i think that but like did these people deserve to be taken aside and said you guys are fucking done this is it i've got i've got the rest of the team here everybody is watching you if you do it one more time you're fucking out we are not going to this is not everything he said the content of what he said i agree with i agree with the spirit of his words i think that he had to johnny's point Nobody can understand the level of pressure that he is on on this set right now. I totally get it. And I don't ultimately fault him because to your guys' point, we live in extenuating times that are kind of crazy and all over the place. It's just the, as we all look towards, and we all do this, like I'm doing it, you're doing it, Johnny's doing it. As we look towards, I can relate to this because we are all dealing with this on a daily basis on some level. Is this the right way to handle it? It's really not. Uh, That doesn't mean that... Uh, there's that I don't think that he is coming out way better than any other actor who's ever been caught doing this on set because to our to all of our points he's trying to defend the entire industry and that's why he's stressed out and angry and why he snapped so I get it I just do think yes it is demeaning and yes it's not the best way to handle it still might have been warranted but that's my thoughts I don't know I guess I just don't see being publicly I don't know I, I guess because, again, he didn't make it personal. I think it becomes demeaning when you start digging at somebody personally. Like, if you were if you were critiquing someone's work that is justifiably like being Bale critiqued. Did. Like Bale did. With the yeah, I mean, well, he, well, I mean, and even Bale, like, you know, that that rant of a performer, you, ha- you have a guy who is a very heady actor. Yeah. You, you caught him in this very intense moment. That's not an excuse for what he did. Uh, the same, on the same token, the lighting guy should have known at this point, don't get in this guy's eye line. We're trying to do something here. Um, you know, you the shot's ruined at this point. Like, just wait for them to call cut. Um, but I, I guess that's why I don't I don't listen to that speech and I don't find that demeaning. I find that as this is this is a coach who finally has to go at his players. Yeah. That's, this, that's what, not, this is what I feel like. And it's a lot of people commenting are like sports fans. And it's like, they've seen their coaches yell at those players. Now, yes, you can argue, well, those players are making millions of dollars. Not all of them, not all of them. And so are you going to pick and choose who gets to get yelled at? Who doesn't like, that's the thing at the end. If you were okay with coaches yelling at players, dressing down players to get them to play better and then you got an issue with this. I, I don't well, know. But that's, saying. but I mean, I think that's the difference. Look, I'm the last person I'm, I am the last person that's going to argue about sports with either of you, but uh, it's what you just said. Uh, a coach yelling at his players to get them to play better. Yeah. I, whether or not I agree with that as a strategy or not, like it is a clear part of sports and sports movies and sports in general. Like I'm going to give you the tough love. I'm going to yell at you to All get right. you hyped up. I'm going to do whatever. There is an end goal to that. Tom Cruise was not yelling at these guys to get them to be better at their job. Not totally their disagree. Well, no, I think he, he was, was because of the of the COVID situation. That <laughs> is part of the job now. It it is. He was a coach doing what they're a coach doing what you guys are describing is not somebody who has completely lost their cool and having a meltdown. They're doing something with a purpose. It's part of their 
thing. That's what I, I'm a coach that's known for doing this thing. I come in. This is my thing that I do. This is not a thing that Tom Cruise is known for. This is not part of his strategy on set for dealing with true people. That's this true. is something that he did because he lost his cool because he flipped out about something because he hasn't. You can't say on the one hand, he has intense pressure. Nobody understands the pressure that he's on. He's so stressed about this. This is a crazy time. This has never been happened before in the history. That's why he got upset. And then turn around and say, it's the same thing that a coach does every week. He's hyping these guys up to try and make them be better at their job. Like it's one or the other. And I think it's the former. I, I don't, I, I, maybe I misspoke. Cause I definitely didn't say that he's trying to get them hyped up. <laughs> like he is, yeah. he is pointing out the flaws and what they have done. And he is correcting that behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, mm. I think at the end of the day, yeah. And, and like, I, I see your point of view, Mike, I do. Um, uh, but I think this was for a purpose. I think he absolutely, I don't think he flipped out. I don't think he lost his cool. I think what he did was I've hit my wall. Enough is enough. I'm going to tell you how I fucking feel about this. And he said, I'm beyond your apologies, which means at least in my interpretation of it, it means you, that you assume it means that there were apologies before yes, this. There were apologies before that other people made the mistakes. Oh, sorry, Tom. Or because he has been apparently a super strict guy about this shit on set because he doesn't want this to be right. shut down anymore. And I would too if I look. If I'm approaching sixty, I don't get how many Mission Impossible movies I got left in me. <laughs> Every day is like you know I, I, I'd be crazy too a little bit. But you know these people don't have jobs without Tom. These people yeah. don't have jobs without Tom, and that's part look. of it too. And and also. Also, I, I I really want to, and, and we'll wrap up here because I know we've been going for a bit. But like, I I really would uh, this 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 defaulting to the Scientology shit can kiss my ass. I'm so done with that kind of stuff because it's the same people writing about this shit that's that kiss Elizabeth Moss's ass to pieces, and she is just as much of a Scientologist or Michael Pena or whoever you want to name her a Scientologist. Because if you start going on that track, that means that. If, if I see that the uh, an actor or an actress or whoever's losing their cool and they're a Catholic, I can go, well, you know what? The Catholic Church has a history of mistreating, I mean, for centuries. You know, it's it's that kind of shit. You attack I mean, people's faith. It's his faith. It's his faith. Religious freedom. I, and, and to me, I think you attack that. That's a default and that's low-hanging fruit. I agree that in this case, his being a Scientologist has nothing to do about yes, in the case. way he reacted. Uh, we could have a whole other geek buddies about the Scientology. Uh, it's, it's not quite the same as Catholicism, but I get your point that in this case, in this case, I don't think it applies. And I think kind of like, look, at the end of the day, and I think where we all do agree yeah. is that he was clearly not being selfish. This was not a self-absorbed no, no. actor. Right, right. This was not a self-absorbed actor having some kind of hissy fit on set. Like he's got a huge amount of pressure on him. What he was upset about is something that we are all dealing with. So we all get it. We understand why people would be upset about that. I have had people freak out uh, at me on things. Like I was waiting in line at coffee one day down the street and I was not really thinking about it and paying attention. And I was a little bit close and the guy's like, Hey, could you back up? And I was like, Oh yeah, my bad. Like, that is 100% fair, fair. Like, we've all dealt with this on one side or the other. I am just saying that uh, this is, I don't think this is the behavior to model. And I think if we're, if Tom, I, again, I don't know about this, but I think if Tom Cruise was out discussing this with people, he'd be like, yeah, that was not the best way to handle that. I kind of lost my cool. You might That's my opinion. That's conjecture. This is undoubtedly going to come up. I mean, yeah. again, like, this is not the end of this story. Like, I, I imagine in the press junket leading up to the release of these films, this incident will come up. Undoubtedly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, well, there we go. Let's wrap it up there. And uh, this has been another thrilling and exciting and fun. 
uh, Geek Buddies for sure. Uh, and thank you all so much for uh, downloading this or listening to it on the podcast feed. We appreciate it madly. Shannon, what do we got to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it's at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mikey? If you like the fucking Geek Buddies <laughs> and you want to keep watching the fucking Geek Buddies, here's the fuck what you need to do. I need uh... you to click that <laughs> fucking like button and leave a fucking comment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have an explicit thing on our little app? Uh, it does like light profanity, but all right. Well, we blew that one out today. Listen, listen. Are they going to have an issue, I guess? Uh, no, seriously. If you enjoyed this discussion, if you want to enjoy more discussions, click the like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's page. Uh, leave comments in the comment section. What do you think about this? Like, where, where do you fall on this? What do you think about Tom Cruise? Uh, what do you think about COVID? What stories do you have where you've had to deal with stuff like this? Uh, and the other thing that you can do, uh, in addition to following us on Twitter and Instagram, is go ahead and share this post. Uh, share it with your friends. If you're talking about the Tom Cruise thing, say, here's what the Geek Buddies thought. Tell people if they want to uh, have geeky conversations to come and join in the fun. Uh, we enjoy it. We love having you all here, as we said at the top of the episodes. And we look forward to doing this for a very long time moving forward. Absolutely. Thank you all so much. And uh, much love to Shannon being back. And one last thing. Happy birthday, Michael Vogel. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was the weirdest birthday ever yesterday. Uh, I did say, actually, you know, it was funny really quickly. I did say to somebody, they're like, how was your birthday? And I was like, well, it was weird. I didn't, you know, normal day. I woke up, I walked my dog, I worked out, I wrote, I had a couple meetings and that was my day because it is 2020 and you can't do anything else. But I will say that kind of one of the silver linings of a COVID birthday uh, is that you, since you don't really have any big plans, you do get to reflect on the simple things that you do have in your life. And I'm very fortunate. Uh, and one of the many ways that I'm fortunate is that I get to spend uh, at least one time a week, if not more, with you two having geeky discussions, and I very much enjoy it. So thank you very much for making yet another year of my life a delight. <laughs> oh, it's very kind. The, 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 the feeling is mutual. You know that. Or mucho. The feeling is mutual. As the girl, whoa, the whoa, whoa. Uh, and hey, ladies and gentlemen, give him some love on Twitter, on social media. Send him some belated birthday uh, uh, wishes as well, at MKTune. Give him some love. Uh, there as well. All right, that's it from us. Uh, take care of yourselves, and uh, we'll talk to you next time on another brand new episode of The Geek Buddies! Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. 
You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.